0: We come before the Word of the Lord. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. Matthew, chapter 3, we'll read the 17 verses of that chapter, which will be our focus this morning. The Gospel of Matthew, we learn something of God the ministry of John as it transitions to the ministry of Jesus, and what's important here is the gospel message John brings to prepare the way for Jesus, and that's not past tense, it's still what applies, what needs to happen for our hearts to be prepared for Jesus, these words. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, and after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Thus, our reading from God's holy word. Praise be to God. Dear congregation, just read those words. Two responses Not us, not now. That's one response. You hear this, not us, not now. A lot of people reply to Jesus and the gospel that way. What would I need that for? I'm not as bad as all that, am I? I mean, not us, not me, not now. Now. I know people, yes, them, not us, not now. And that's how some people live their lives. Of course, there's God's displeasure. Of course, there's a God up there. Sure, there's a God of judgment and justice. And he looks at the other guy and the other church and the other country and the other government and the other party The other people. Yes, them. Yes, now. A second response, and there's a lot of people who feel this too. Of course, us. Of course, now. I'm a repeat offender. I deserve it. John comes with this message. Repent the kingdom of his hand. Repent. You need to be what? Of course us. Of course me. Of course now. My life is beaten up. I've failed at so many different things. I'm ashamed of so many different things in my past. I have so much that... I just prefer other people not know much about. Of course me, of course now. Here in Matthew 3, we find, if we remember, angels rejoice at repenting sinners. Here in Matthew 3, there's a lot of rejoicing in heaven because there's a lot of repenting sinners going on here. They go out to this John A voice calling out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Your prayers have been answered. You've been waiting for kingdom come. It's here. I think we've lost ears for that, frankly. And maybe the people in those days had too. You know, when you go to Matthew's Gospel, he he goes out of his way, or rather Luke's Gospel, he goes out of his way to introduce us to this John fellow. And in Luke's Gospel, early on, you know, that's the one that gives us these pre-birth announcements, and you read about that with John, your wife Elizabeth, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. Just in case you're wondering, this you have a miracle baby on the way who's going to do this mighty work. He will be the end of the Old Testament era to usher in the New Testament era. And he will be the greatest of all the prophets with his proximity to kingdom come, preparing the way for the king. And part of the way for that is repent. You want kingdom come. You want God's cause to prevail. You want the answer, the way, the truth, the life, the help, the hope. You want Jesus. Repent. Because kingdom doesn't come by not repenting. Kingdom doesn't come by sinning some more. Kingdom doesn't come by how many of God's commandments can I ignore, and bless us still. How about that? No, repent. And so here, in Matthew's Gospel, we're introduced to uh, the way preparer, and Luke would remind us that As John is conceived in the womb of Elizabeth and then Elizabeth gets word of Mary having conceived this one who's the most high, the Lord God to come, the Messiah, the answer. The baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb. And now he leaps as a full-grown man onto the scene of redemption to prepare hearts to prepare the way, the answer is here. Now, we're going to look at that briefly uh, this morning. The Lord's helping us. First, a message for the of course us people, of course me. Then a message for... What? Not us. Not now, for those people. And that's an invitation for all of us to put ourselves in one of those boxes. Of course me, or not us. And then, a gospel message from Jesus. Now with that, there's a word message in a sacrament message, a word declared for our ears, and a visualized word for our eyes, for, un, for repenting people, for unrepenting people. And how fitting that we get the gospel right as that gospel comes to us by John and Jesus. Now, the first thing here, rather remarkable, is he comes, John comes to the people who already are counted as God's people. He comes declaring to the people who are already counted as God's people to start being a repenting people. He comes to those who already go to synagogue and worship and do annual pilgrimages down to the temple for sacrifice and all of that, people already praying and hearing synagogue sermons and the like. He comes and he tells them, repent. That's the message. You mustn't miss it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, and Matthew wants us to remember who this John fellow is because the message he has is about a king and a kingdom. So often we think of Jesus as our Savior, and that's absolutely right, but he's also a king who comes to reign. When you hear the word king and kingdom, you got to think of reign, rule. To bring forth a rule and a reign of redemption, of healing of restoration, of, of, break, of, of binding up broken people, salving over wounds, giving new beginnings where everything just seems like a dead end and a flunk and a failure and a give up. And No, nope, new beginnings. Hope for tomorrow. Victory on the way. That's what kingdom means. The reign of the king is on the way. That's John's message. And so he comes to people who have known over 400 years of oppression, 400 years of praying to God for things to get back to the good old days of David, and they never get back to the good old days. People who have been under one foreign oppressor after another, and now they're under a iron oppressor, the Romans, who are the mightiest army and the mightiest power on earth. And the Caesars are Lord. And they say what is so, what is true, and what is right. And you don't like it, you can be crucified. You want to resist them, get ready to die. Lord, help us. Lord, give an answer. Lord, we're broken. Lord, our life is miserable. We're unhappy. Lord, come to the rescue. And John's answer, that's real nice. Now start repenting of your sins. That's a that's an ongoing message for any land place people, our own nation with its hurts and and brokenness and divisions and How about we all start repenting of our sins? How about we start there? We we repent of our lovelessness, our selfishness, our stinginess. We repent of our pride. We repent of our anger and bitterness. We, We repent of our snobbery, even religious snobbery. We repent of jealousies and envies and factions even within the church. Not to mention what's out there in the world. Repent means we're going to take a big U-turn. My life has been going this way, lived this way with these attitudes and these behaviors and these actions. And now I'm going to take a big repentance, a big U-turn and go the other way. I'm not going to treat my wife like that. I'm not going to be short with my kids like that. I repent I'm not going to ignore God and only use him as a helper when I'm in trouble. Otherwise, stay out of my life. Repent! Stop it! Turn around! Because the king and his kingdom are here. And here's the way you get ready for him. Repent. This way, prepare. It's interesting when you would prepare a way for a king, for a Caesar, or even a Herod. You, you, you got to get out of your mind our our tidy roads, our you know our nice concrete super highways, and our beautiful blacktops, and our neighborhood roads. Now you got to think of something that's. The Romans were great road builders, but those roads were still. Coming and still being built. And those were mostly just main artery roads, unless you were in Rome itself. So you got to think of rutted, potted, broken, rocky, rugged, icky roads, except when the king's coming. When the king is coming, you prepare the road for the king and the whole town turns out and we're going to make this road smooth and level and easy and beautiful so when the king's coming, he rides in in luxury, if you will. Okay, now let's think of our hearts as roads with their ruts of sin and their ruts and dispositions, their potholes of disobedience and, and jealousies and factions and anger and bitterness and, and all these things that just the worldly sin kind of sins. If you've been raised in the church, you know, those are the, these kind of sins. No, no, no. Scandal sins, sexual sins, adultery sins, fornication sins. You know, pornography sins. We, we have our way in church to do our shame, shame sins. But what I like to sometimes call church sins, gossip sins, jealousy sins. Talking about people and thinking about people. Being filled with pride toward others or negative toward others or backbiting or unforgiving. Um... Those are potholes and ruts, and if we make room and make way for Jesus, the way of repentance is filling in the gaps, breaking down the hills, carving a path, John comes preparing the way. Now this John is someone... (laughs) Matthew goes out of his way to tell us about him, because he's an odd bird. He wears funny clothes, camel's hair. Uh, I've never met anyone in church came in a camel's hair jacket, but I would be, <laughs> wow, that's different. He he was a bug eater. Uh, he was a strange guy, a miracle baby, as a miracle prophet. Back in, a little further on in Matthew eleven. Even John's going to have his struggles with what it means that kingdom comes, and Jesus is going to tell us, yeah, he's the greatest of all the prophets, but why did the people go out into the desert to be baptized by John? For a beautiful piece of scenery, reeds blown by the wind. Is that why they went out to see John? Uh, What did they go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? What a dapper Dan he was. No. They went out to hear a prophet, and more than a prophet. And that's what's happening here. He's bringing a message of repentance to the repenting. Repent. And every one of us need to ask ourselves is we would love to see kingdom come more and more, the reign of Christ Jesus the King go forward in our land, our nation, this world. As our brother pointed out, so many don't even have the word of God. There's so many broken lives. There's so many unhappy people. There's so many children who, whose future looks so bleak. Where is there a way of forward? And John is announcing the one who always gives new beginnings. And it's always going to come by a new turn, which turns us to him. And that applies to preachers, professors, elders, all of us, longtime Christians, new Christians. It's not ever. Once upon a time ago, I got converted. Once upon a time ago, I got all serious about the faith. And once upon a time ago, I turned from my sins. No, now, today, always. Still. We're ever filling in the potholes of re- repentance and we receive the love and forgiveness and the reign of Christ in our hearts to move forward. And that's for a church, too. Now, that's the of course us, of course now people. But he also has a sermon, a word, for the not us, not now people. We're told here... But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. (laughs) I've always been amazed by that one. Uh, I've never had the courage to say any group of people, you brood of vipers. But then again, I'm not John the Baptist. So (laughs) Here you have people the religious leaders. Now, a little background. The Pharisees just kind of put out of our minds what we want to think about them. But think of people who love the Word of God, who read the Word of God, who they didn't have a printing press in those days, who transcribed the Word of God, carefully printed it out on sheets of parchment, and then meticulously made sure they didn't make a mistake, and did it again and again. And of course, while you're doing that, you're reading the Word of God, you're thinking about it, you're contemplating it. And so these were Word of God people, the Pharisees with the scribes. Word of God people. Study the Word, believed the Word, live the Word, get busy with the Word, Be devoted to the word. It's about time we be word of God, law of God. Obey the law, people. That's what's wrong with us. We don't do what it says. It's about time. Serious. So they were kind of theological conservatives. The Sadducees were of the wealthier class. They were the more political slick people. These Romans are our rulers and we gotta get along and you know, get along, go along. And so they were, you know, very political kind of people. That's why they were wealthy. <laughs> right. They, they they had money and they knew how to get their arms around the Romans. And so they started to kind of clip the scriptures down. They they viewed just the books of Moses as Bible. And that other stuff. They didn't believe in miracles or resurrection from the dead and stuff like that. That's what the Pharisees were about. So they were sort of theological liberals or progressives. But as a group from the Sanhedrin, they go out not to get baptized, but to see, what is this John guy about? And they come to spy it out. We're going to watch this and make a decision. What's his baptizing business? Because John didn't only speak a word. He was baptizing the people, which was a baptism of repentance, which in its basic meaning was the same as Christian baptism, that you're undergoing a washing, a washing away of your sins, pointing us to the one through whom there's washing away of sins, that you're dead and now alive, pointing us to the one through whom and by whom we're alive, word and sacrament, if you will, sign and symbol, a word of promise, and then portrayed in this baptism. Now, the Old Testament, you go back to the law of Moses, there was various ceremonies of washing and all that, but by the time you get to John and Jesus, the Jews were practicing a kind of baptism for converts, Gentile converts to Judaism. Now, John takes that over and he he uses it as the new symbol of new life because they'd already been circumcised in the flesh. But you need a circumcised heart. And so, this baptism was a visual display of a heartbroken asking God for help, receiving forgiveness and new life in the King to come. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is this guy about? I don't know about this guy. What does he think he's up to? Brood of vipers! You say, that's harsh. That's because the way God analyzed what they were up to is like snakes slithering around one another, spying stuff out, insensitive to broken people with tears running down their cheeks, in desperation, knowing that their life is broken, but their heart is wayward, and they're asking for God's mercy. And they dare stand and look and not get in line? Not us. Not now. How about us? How about now? How about me? Right now. Get in line. Because we all need kingdom come. We all need the king come. How many family members don't you have, don't need the healing power of the cross of Jesus Christ? How many friends and neighbors don't you need to get in line, (laughs) not doing not me, not now, but of course me, right now? How many people don't you pray for when you lay in bed at night and your heart breaks for them? And that's people you know and love, and now think of all the people you don't know. This is why John hones a particular message for that kind of person. Notice what he goes on to say. It's very specific. And do not think, okay, first, it's actually a six-part sermon. So there's only a three-parter, but there's a six-parter. So part two has six parts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now you're really nervous. There's a charge. There's a question. There's a command. There's a rebuke. There's stated facts. And there's gospel. The charge. You brood of vipers. You're like snakes. You're like Satan's spawn. You're from the children of your father, the devil. The the great serpent. That's... Uh, the question who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Uh, Moses. They they all thought Moses was a prophet. And who told you to repent? And who told you to watch out, not to play games with God? Uh, uh, Moses did. And uh, the command, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You say you're a believer, repent. I love Jesus. Stop committing adultery. I, for the Lord, quit nitpicking at your husband and diminishing him. So he just feels emasculated and unwanted. I'm on Jesus' side. I'm part of the church. Then stop thinking you're better than unbelievers. Repent. Repent. It's not angry. I don't want you. It's I want you. Turn from all the brokenness and come to the healer, the helper. Repent. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not enough to make a verbal announcement of faith and go to temple and synagogue or church. Repent. Do not think because you can see John can read their thoughts, oh who's this guy? And do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, we're part of the big Jewish heritage of faith, we're the Old Testament people, we're the people that God selected about all the nations of the earth, we're the people who matter, who count, who have temple, who have the word, who have the law, we have the covenant privileges, the promises, we're the ones. Well, don't presume on Abraham, I tell you, out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. From a driveway of gravel, he can build a church. You think he can't? What's wrong with you? And if you're wondering what time it is, because kingdom is coming, you better repent. You need to repent. The axe is in full swing. It's already hit the root of the tree. What comes next is timber. It's time for it. So produce fruit. Otherwise, every tree that doesn't produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Does the axe have to hit your life? Does the axe have to hit our nation? Does the axe have to hit given communities? No repentance. Timber. That's what he's saying. And then he explains a little bit about some baptism. I baptize with water. What you've witnessed, what you've come to spy out and peer at and judge and dismiss. Hey, I baptize with water for repentance. After me comes one. You wanna know what he's about? I'm not fit to carry his shoes. Wow. The greatest of the Old Testament prophets, not fit to untie his sandals. That's how John saw himself He's going to come and he's going to, he's going to offer a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is transformative. He's going to clear the threshing floor. Now, you've probably seen those scenes. You gather in the crops and they would beat the grain so that the grain would fall down onto the floor and then they would throw away the rest of it. And then you would sweep up the grain. So you had grain in one pile and chaff, uh, useless stuff in the other. He's coming to divide hearts, to sort out people, sheep, goats, you know, narrow way versus broad way, one to life, one to destruction. You know, you can't remain neutral with Jesus. Anyone who says, well, I respect him. No, you don't he's not your Lord, your King, your Savior, you're rejecting him on his terms. Because he doesn't come to be your example. He comes to be your King. Your Savior. And if he's not that, you're pushing him away. Chaff, grain. Goats, sheep. Broadway to destruction, narrow path, but path to life. Now, that's the message he brings. And then, you know, these are the facts. As I just said, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. You have to repute, but it ends with a promise, a gospel promise. And so, you have a message for, of course, us. He have a message for, well, not us. And then a message from the king to his servant John and to all of us. This. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, stop him. No, 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 no. I I need the baptizing. After all, baptism is for sinners. Baptism is for washing. You don't wash what isn't dirty. No, 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 Jesus. I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me, and Jesus insists. Let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus comes and enters into the place of the sinner, enters into the waters of repentance, enters into the place of dirty people, enters into the place where you're looking for God's help and mercy. He will stand there in our place because he will one day hang there in our stead. To fulfill all righteousness. Do you realize none of us are saved because God winks at sin? How are you saved? Well, God's an old tired grandpa and he just sort of, well, I give up. Well, okay, I'm just a softy. Oh, wink, wink, you're forgiven. No. His son dies under the wrath Abandonment of the Father for our sin. It's costly. His precious blood shed in the place of sinners for sinners in our stead to fulfill all righteousness. You see why repentance is part of the opening of ourselves to receive a gift. Repentance isn't clinging to what's broken in your life so you can have some something to help mend the brokenness while you continue to practice brokenness. Turn around, put it off. Turn to the healer, the helper, the savior, the lover of your soul the dire for your sins, the accursed one in your stead. Good news, John, getting the gospel right. Repent and receive. And the Protestant Reformation was all about that. Not me part way and Jesus part way. Not me 90% in Jesus 10 or reverse it. Jesus, 90%, me, 10%. Finally, what repentance does is come empty-handed and looks in faith and pleads, help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, heal me, Lord, lead me, Lord. And he does. He will. Of course me. Of course now. Of course people I love and know. Of course they need Jesus. Of course they need his righteousness. Of course we need to repent. And turn from not us, not now. Of course us, Lord. And of course Jesus. Of course your love. Of course Jesus saves Of course he'll receive me. Of course he'll give me a new beginning. Of course he does. He's king, and his reign has commenced. Amen. Lord, help us to believe that, to live it each day, and to know the victory that were bought at a price May we see that you are good, you are faithful, you are kind. And may we hate our sins and while we do so, love you more and more. We ask for this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.